Welcome to Behind Kentucky Football. I am Curtis Birch. On this edition of the show, we are going to be hearing from UK punter Max Duffy, UK wide receivers coach Michael Smith, and Dick Gabriel from the UK Sports Network, WKYT, and Big Blue Insider. You can hear Dick's show 6 to 8 p.m. weeknights. Let's just jump into those interviews right now. A lot of, a lot of fun interviews coming off a tough week, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy some of the stories that Max Duffy tells. Now joined on the Behind Kentucky Football Podcast by Max Duffy. I think on social media many people saw you post the picture with Rajon Rondo. You gave him the little goat emoji. Were you a fan of his in the past? And how did that picture kind of take place? A uh, huge fan. Uh, I grew up watching a lot of NBA, more so than NFL. So my sport growing up was basketball. I always thought I was going to be an NBA star. So my favorites were like Rondo, Steve Nash, and then like uh, a little bit like later on like Dragic and those kind of guys. Um, so... Um, pretty surreal to kind of meet Rondo for the first time and like I didn't even realize before I got here that he'd played at Kentucky so I don't really follow the college sports before I got here but um, that was awesome he was at the game on the weekend and I'm um, not turning down an opportunity to get a photo with him that was really cool it's a highlight of me being here. Yeah there were a lot of guys on the on the from the NBA on the field that day is that kind of cool to I mean being a basketball fan and being at Kentucky? Yeah it's really surreal like just to see the guys that go through Kentucky and end up in the league like like I said, back home, we don't really understand or really follow college sports at all. So you never even think about what college they would have gone to. So that was kind of cool. I uh, I love my NBA. I love LeBron James. So that was kind of cool to, to see some guys that have played against him or with him. Now, obviously, <laughs> you you know, you're coming, coming from Australia. Um, what was... Now you got a you know a little year under your belt now, but is there still things you're adjusting to, or the biggest difference between between the two places? Uh, I'm pretty well adjusted now. I, I love being in Lexington. Um, love being in Kentucky. So it's awesome. Everyone's been super nice to me, and the coaches and all the players and stuff are pretty welcoming. So it feels like a second home now. And I love my time when I get to go back to Australia. But I really enjoy my time here. I feel like I'm getting a lot done that I've always wanted to do. So I just love every day of being here. Were your parents at the at a game earlier this year? Uh, my mum was here. Uh, my dad made it over last year and so did my mum as well. So my mum was here and my sister and my cousin and one of my aunties have come. So it's awesome to have some family over and be able to talk to them in person rather than over FaceTime for the once or twice the opportunities that I get each year. So that's really cool. Do they fully grasp this <laughs> the college football thing or did they have to did they have to come here to experience to fully get it I think it surprises them when they get here uh, particularly I took my dad last well I didn't take him but he went to the game at uh, Kyle Field last year and I think that was an awesome experience for him just to see how big it is like just to see how many people actually bother to go to the games and how many people support it because I think before he came over he wasn't totally convinced that this me coming over was a good idea so that was good I was just uh yeah, my sister loved it, but she crashed my car when she was here, so that wasn't the greatest thing of all time. I wasn't too happy with her, but uh, I don't think she'll be invited again. Wait, was it you guys in Australia drive like here, or is it your... We drive on the other side of the car and the other side of the road, so I mean, I'll give, cut her a bit of slack for getting used to it, but not really. I mean, it's just common sense. Just stay in your lane, Rosie, so yeah. That's that's a great advice for life as well too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now the other thing that I think most people know about you now, you're a little bit older than than the rest of the guys. Is how how is that um, in the locker room? Is there any kind of adjustments? I mean, or anybody giving you a hard time about that? Oh uh, no, I still feel 18 at heart, so I feel like I'm almost the most immature of all the guys in special teams. Um, but yeah, just on that, I mean, I guess I'm 26. There's a guy at Auburn that is Australian that's a little bit older, but the 
I didn't know this actually till a couple of weeks back, but the oldest guy in the SEC actually plays for LSU. He's the punter there and he's American, so he's 28. So it's not just the Australian guys, they're a little bit older. So that made me feel good about myself that I'm not the oldest. Now, um, with those Australian guys, that's something that Coach Hood has a lot of experience with. What is uh, your relationship with him like and what it's been? What has it been like to kind of play under him over the last couple of seasons? Yeah, it's awesome. And also, i got to mention Louis Matsakis. They do such a great job. They put so much trust in me and like kind of back me in with my skills I'd like to think that I'm fairly skillful at placing the ball and and they let me be me and let me kick the ball the way that I want to kick the ball and they never question me or you know second guess what I want to do particularly on the weekend I ran out and said to Louis what do you want me to do he goes just do whatever you want to do and we'll we'll back it in so that feels awesome like for myself to just to be able to kind of kick the ball that I want to, the way that I want to kick the ball and they set up the scheme to help that um, it's we've got the best scheme in the nation and it really helps me you know be able to portray my skills so it's good just from like a novice perspective what are the kind of like basic different ways to kicking the ball yeah I guess that everyone knows the traditional spiral which is just staying in the pocket and taking two steps but I'd like to think that the Australian guys coming over have brought that new what everyone calls rugby which I don't like it's Australian rule style so uh, Australian rule style where we roll out to the right and then I think I've also tried to add a few um, little extra things as well to keep it unpredictable so roll out to the right and kick it across to the left or roll left and kick it across to the right those kind of things I also try and roll out and spiral and then I have like I done a banana kick this year which is kind of one that spins to the side and yeah, I don't know. There's just a whole hope of different, host of different kicks that I can do. And obviously with the main aim being keep it away from the returner and get us as much net as we can. So whatever I can do to kind of put them off and make sure that they don't know what's coming is, is going to be good for myself, but mainly good for the team. And there's been a couple of plays this season where, you know, you kind of roll out and it looks like the, the opposing team's got a punt safe on, so they're kind of way off. How tempting is it to take off? Uh, not at all in punt safe. Maybe if they were coming after me, I might think that I'd be able to run around them. But when they're in punt safe, it's like, oh, well, they're going to tackle me if I try and go for it. So uh, I guess it's good that when if they're in punt safe, they're obviously respecting the fact that maybe I could run for it or, you know, they're not too sure what we're about to do. So the more we can keep them off guard and, and make them really question what we're going to do is awesome for our punt team. Uh, we don't like to be predictable. We like to do a different thing each week to try and keep them off guard. So I think we're, we've gone so well, but it's only three games so far, so we've got nine more, and hopefully we can keep doing a good job. All right, I'm going to step way out of my comfort zone, but I think I read that the Australian League, Australian Rules Football is in the semifinals, right? Uh, yeah, uh, just finished the semifinals, gone to the preliminary finals. So team that I used to play for, Fremantle, got, didn't even make the final, so maybe they shouldn't have got rid of me. Um, but no, but my mate plays for them. He's, uh, he's one of the captains on there, so he, they've, they went well. But um, preliminary finals, I've been watching all the games. Um, I'm hoping GWS Giants win or Richmond, so I know no one knows who that is, but um, it's awesome. Check it out. It's a great sport to watch. Thanks, man. Cool. Back on Behind Kentucky Football with wide receiver coach Michael Smith. Um, I heard Tom Leach on the broadcast saying that if he had to pick a position group that's most improved this season, he thinks it yours. I mean, what, what have you been able to do to kind of increase the production from your guys? I think the guys have just bought in, you know, and uh, credit to those guys. They're, they're coming out and working every week and, and uh, doing the things they're coached to do. And for the most part, we've had some success, but we're, we're so far away, you know, and I can appreciate Tom. Uh, saying that about the guys, uh, they deserve it because they have been working hard. But uh, you know, we're we're not satisfied. That's for sure. What is uh, what have you liked from uh, Lynn so far this this season, and what do you think that where he can kind of step up his game in a couple areas? I think uh, Lynn's uh, 
he's playing faster than he did, and that's because uh, I think he's more comfortable playing the wide receiver position. You know, uh, we're still working on some of the details of route running, uh, but that's not just Lynn. That's everybody, you know. Uh, but I think Lynn is, is playing well right now. Uh, there's some things that we can clean up, you know, from last game. We, every, after every game, we always uh, go back and reevaluate things that we think we can do better, you know, and uh, just, just cleaning being the sharpest wide receivers we can be. And uh, I think once we get there, uh, people will see our game go even higher than it is going right now. Now going into the year, there was a lot of talk of maybe opposing defenses being able to just focus on Lynn and try to take him away. But now you've got some other guys that have been stepping up and making plays. Has that opened things up for him and the offense overall a little bit? There's no doubt, you know, and that was a challenge going into this this camp, you know. Uh, I know if I was a defensive coordinator coming out of last year, you want to take away the best player at a certain position. And, you know, Lynn with his stats was that guy. Uh, and I've been proud of, you know, Josh and Ahmad, obviously. And when AD's had his opportunities, all of them, when they've had their op- opportunities, even our tight ends, when they've had their opportunities, they stepped up and made plays. And, uh, you know, that when you're able to do that as an offense with the, the running game that we have and, you know, the way – Coach Grant's calling the game. Uh, it, it, it's a problem for a defense. And right now, you know, the thing that we have to get better at is the mistakes, you know, the fumbles, the interceptions, the, the penalties. And once we get that cleaned up, I think we'll be a pretty dominant offense. You're talking about the, the progress of Ahmad. I'm, it seems like he's just, I don't know, take a light switch almost went off where he's now catching those. Well, he's drawing flags and catching them on top of it. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I've said this earlier, you know, it's a testament to Ahmad's growth as a wide receiver. You know, last year he was just coming back and, and getting used to playing football. And, uh, you know, we brought him along slowly, and that, that was mostly my doing, you know. And uh, we, had, we had some guys that I thought just were, at the time, playing better. And going into fall camp, I felt the same way. But to his credit, you know, he worked his tail off and, and put himself in a position to – to be the guy and right now he's just playing with so much confidence and like any other position or any other sport when you have that confidence and that swag about you and you know Ahmad's not that type of kid but he's playing with a lot of confidence and and that confidence is going to rub off on the rest of the guys in the room and uh, hopefully we'll continue to play as well as we're, as we're playing right now. You've seen some football in your day I mean it- for him to draw all those flags is one thing, but like I was talking about, you know, now he's making the catch. This is—is is it rare for a guy to make a catch on pass interference so frequently? It's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's fun to watch. I don't know—I don't know if it's rare, uh, but you know, Ahmad's biggest asset is his size, and you know, I tell my guys to play to to their biggest asset, and Ahmad's doing that. And you know. There are, there are opportunity balls up there, and, you know, people want to call them 50-50 balls. That's not the attitude that we have as a receiving core. When that ball goes in the air, it's ours, you know, and uh, I think Ahmad's playing that way right now. I think a lot of the guys are. You know, we had the, the one game where we put the ball on the ground a lot in the first half, but, you know, they responded to, to the challenge and stepped up last week, and we got a lot, of, a lot of football left to play, you know, so I don't want to crown them yeah. the greatest receiving core to ever play here, but, uh, you know, we definitely have the potential to be. He also, Ahmad, talked about, uh, actually, I take that back, I, I think it was Bryce Oliver mentioned how he went to each wide receiver and kind of, you know, talked about their specialty, whoever the best was route running. How mm, good is it to see 
your your players kind of take coaching and making each other better into their own hands? It's, it's awesome as a coach. I mean, that's the that's the gratifying thing about being a coach is when your players go out and execute the things that you ask them to do. Uh, so I'm I'm pleased with them, and and again, you know, I'll, I'll never accept anything from him. As, as well as Ahmad's plan, I think he can do better. As well as Lynn's plan, I think he can do better. That's just the nature of the beast, and uh, I'm going to stay on their throats and continue to challenge them, and, and I know these these guys are going to respond. And then looking ahead to the, the game this weekend, what kind of challenges this Mississippi's 8%? Uh, a great defensive football team. Uh, you know, I know they're trying to replace a lot of people like we're doing on our defense, but, uh, you know, they do so much in the secondary and up front, uh, you know, to challenge you to, to be on top of your game. You know, our, our guys have to do a great job of recognizing coverages this week. Uh, we got to be, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but we got to be detailed in our route running and continue to, to help our quarterbacks out, whoever it is. You know, when it was Terry, we had to help him out. When it's, With it being Sawyer now, it, we have to help him out. Uh, you know, we have to make those plays in order for us to have success. Thank you. Thank you. If you're part of Big Blue Nation, then you need to watch Big Blue Nation. 10-5! Touchdown, Kentucky! VBN-TV on the UK Sports Network takes you inside the program every weekend for conversations and access you won't find anywhere else. It's coming late. Oh. Cash Daniel hits him and sacks him! VBN-TV is the official TV show of UK athletics and is the newest and best way to keep up with the Cats. Watch VBN-TV every weekend on the UK Sports Network or anytime online at UKAthletics.com or the Kentucky Wildcats Facebook page. Now joined on Behind Kentucky Football by Dick Gabriel, sideline reporter for the UK Sports Network. Let's start by asking you about the Ahmad Wagner catch. (laughs) We're going to hear from his position coach a little later in this podcast. But your view from the sideline of of that catch? I was at about the 10-yard line on the Kentucky sideline, and I thought, oh, this could be good. They're throwing it up there. He's in the corner of the end zone. If he can come down with it, it's a touchdown. The DBs, a lot going through my mind yeah. <laughs> in a couple seconds, but you know how it is. Uh, the DB, he had him out, out jumped or whatever, and then I see the ball pop in the air. And, and, and I hear, and Tom said the same thing, incomplete, and I thought, oh, man. And I thought, well, you know, they had two DBs on them. They made a nice defensive play. I thought they had thrown a flag, but I may, I may be conflating everything. But I thought, ah, you know, could have been a touchdown. Maybe they kick a field goal. And then I and, – and by the way, I saw most of the players sort of slump, you know, a little bit hang their head, their shoulders. But I saw – I think it was Josh Ali – begin to jump up and down and point. And then Tom corrected himself, and he wasn't wrong. And when he said incomplete, it was for about a split second because it hung in the air. And I've watched the video now because I've been working on the TV show. I've probably seen that play now a dozen times. Mm -hmm. How he brought that in is beyond me. And you know what? We talk about his hands. He had it caught in his elbow at first. Yeah. Well, the thing is, and you know, you mentioned the the TV show you're working on, BBN TV, and he's going to be part of that in, with an interview this week. And the thing, uh, when I was talking to him, you look in his eye; he, it's bloodshot esque, where you get poked and the yeah. blood vessel pops or whatever. So he has this red looking eye, and he was talking about how on that play, the DB went in his face mask and poked him in the eye, and he said he couldn't see anything, which is just 
makes it more legendary. I, I, he he like he actually says um, uh, he said that it was he basically gave some divine intervention. He said, "I don't know how it got in there, but thank God that it fell in the right spot, right in kind of the crook of his arm there, and then he was able to catch it." I mean, his and what training, an educated move he made by turning his body so he kept his arm, hand, and then body under the ball and away from the ground, mm-hmm. so there was no question. That that's the thing you you just see these little things that he's doing that are just kind of amazing and it's it's like he's just on this accelerated learning curve because yeah. he has every tool you want in the wide receiver it's huge size good speed great hands and it's all just coming together and it's kind of amazing that he's been able to take this leap from a guy who could barely see the field last year and he was playing behind uh, other wide receiver Dorian Baker yeah. who got to camp with the Browns and Isaiah Epps was healthy and and the, the other guys so you can understand that but he was also learning, mm-hmm. you know, and soaking it up. And he was on the field quite a bit. Yes. And we knew they threw it toward him <laughs> more than once. But it was just a matter as well of getting open. And Terry Wilson was learning and all that stuff. But, you know, he's got some chemistry now with Sawyer Smith. Yeah, they played a little bit together in camp because they were both kind of running with the twos to a certain extent, Smith and Wagner. And so they built that chemistry up in the offseason, and now you're kind of seeing it on the field. Well, you saw it on Smith's first play. So I guess let's backtrack just a little bit, not relive the... The 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 agony? The agony, the <laughs> agony of defeat. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that game, I think you can pull positives. And, you know, I, I recommend everybody. I, I want to give credit to Mark Stoops, who I think through kind of just maturation and knowing how to talk in a press conference has done really a great job of explaining things a lot better. Um, this season specifically people want to point to the end of the first half they said they went to conservative and that's not true when you look at the numbers I I don't have the stats in front of me but they threw it I think it was you know two-thirds of the time until they got down and then they weren't gonna you know there were incomplete passes and so they wanted to just get to the locker room. exactly um so you got a 14-7 lead on the ninth ranked team in the country and a quarterback in his first SEC game with a talented defensive line a defensive backfield that picked him off twice in the game. So what's the point of risking? There isn't that yep. much to gain where there is. And if so, that's conservative, that's a good plan. Yeah, and and so you, people have pointed to that. They've also kind of pointed to the fourth and one call. They don't like the Wildcat or they don't like A.J. Rose. It's kind of ironic. Sometimes people want the Wildcat, but then other times they don't. They and want yeah, it when it works. Exactly, and that's what Stoops <laughs> kind of said. You know, he joked about it to a certain extent, but he also pointed out, and I believe Drake Jackson even you know, took some blame after the game, talking to the media, that he missed a block and yeah. Rose got tackled. And that happens in football. There's And I quarrel with the notion that that was the Wildcat. And I guess a direct snap technically is, but it wasn't the Wildcat of JoJo Kemp or Benny Snell when they would take the snap and study and read the line, do that thousand one, whatever the stutter set, whatever, to allow the play to unfold a little bit. No, this was a quick-hitting Power play, I don't know what the name of it was, mm-hmm. but as Stoops pointed out to Tom Leach right after the game, and I think he talked about it Monday afternoon, you know, what's the difference between Smith taking the snap, turning and handing the ball, and A.J. Rose running through the two-gap? Yeah. As opposed to direct snap and A.J. Rose running through the two-gap. And you know what? None of that matters if you don't block it right. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and I mean, so these little critiques that people are pointing to that they kind of, of it. yeah, no, the, I mean that's just yeah, it is. And he's he's I think his his quote I think it was at the press conference he said 
you know, I like that people have opinions when they stop. They care. The, yeah, exactly. That's what he was getting at. When people stop having complaints or opinions on stuff, that means he's in trouble because you've become um, they become apathetic to you, and that's a terrible place to be. Now in. they're thinking basketball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so you know, the the last kind of thing that people have have nitpicked at, and you know, there were a lot of there were mistakes, and I always kind of say this. You know, when you when you talk about mistakes on the football field, if it's a player missing an assignment, a penalty, that all goes back to the head coach, and they'll take the blame because, in theory, they're supposed to prepare these guys and all those things. But the last one, you know, that drive was a half a yard from picking up a first down, was a couple of inches from kicking the field goal, giving the ball back to Florida under a minute with no timeouts. That was executed well. If if it would have picked up that last half yard, it would have probably been executed to perfection. And then they would have moved it over, ran the clock, and it would have been a kick as time expired or and close. And we're not to having it. this conversation. Most likely, isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it's those little things. And you know, you also you don't blame the officials, but T.J. Carter getting ejected factored in. I think almost. Well, I think the fact that it was negates a sack would have been third and twenty. That drive's done. Instead, they're way down the field. That hurts almost more than the ejection. That ended up being, what, a 35-yard penalty. Yes. You know, and yes, and, and Kentucky third, against Florida third and long <clears throat> was really good. We talked about it on my, uh, my show here this week, obviously, but believe it or not, I think the call on Corker was good. You know, he's an aggressive player, and I felt like he led just a little too much with his helmet. Uh, it wouldn't have surprised me if they'd overturned it because there's more latitude now. Yeah. There's more discretion. But that's why I was stunned by the Carter call. And that flag came out immediately. But I sometimes wonder now, do the refs go ahead and call it thinking, well, they can overturn it. Yeah. But Birmingham barely looked at it. It felt like it turned. It was so quickly confirmed. Mm -hmm. And to me, Carter made a textbook tackle and stayed his head staying on the same plane that it did when he started his move. It was the QB who came down. And brought his helmet down. Yeah. That to me is where the, the latitude ought to step in. And I'm still stunned that it didn't. And yes, that was a game changer. And you know what? Florida might throw a 25 yard pass, but I doubt it. Yeah, that that there would have been obstacles that they would have had to overcome, which yeah. would have would have just made the game even harder. Um and the you know, when you factor all that in and you're playing if Florida is a top ten team, which I mean where they're ranked and you think they're overranked? We talked about. This I, this I think summer. that I think that they slightly are. I mean, I think and you're, you're splitting hairs to a certain extent. I think they're a top twenty-five team. Oh, I think they're no a top question. twenty team. Yeah. I think they're a really good team. I don't know if they're a top ten team. Yeah. At this point, from what I've seen, and plus they might not have been a top ten team on that night, um, losing. You know, not having Tony and then not having right. one of their DBs. Right. But I mean, regardless, that's a really quality team. Mark Stoops also made great points. They did. He thought they did two great things. Only giving up one sack that was completely, we're talking about blown assignments. Yep. He said the canard just turned the wrong way, and that right. was a free free shot at Sawyer Smith. Not giving any sacks besides that, super impressive from the, against a team that was leading the country in sacks. Jeff Van Note pointed that out immediately about canard. You know, he just that he turned the wrong way. I mean, and it, I thought Smith might have gotten hurt on that play. Yeah. It was such a clean sack. But yeah, after the game, I thought, my gosh, that was the only sack. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then when you go back and think about it or look at the video of Smith, yeah, he had to extend the plays sometime. But for the most part, they kept him clean. And But getting back to my first point, good feet, 
and keeping the eyes down the field and that kind yeah. of thing. Now, it cost him once on a pick. He tried to make a throw he shouldn't have, but for the most part, or he'd run to the to the marker, run to the sideline. Uh, he, he played an educated game, I thought. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, the last nitpicking point that a lot of people were kind of talking about in this, I don't know how. I, I would be interested to see if someone would be able to go track this stat, but backup quarterbacks and uh, playing well against Kentucky, I kind of, in my mind, I think that it was obviously when you have to change types of quarterbacks you're going against, that's tough. But I think the bigger factor was, and Mark Stoops talked about this, he, he said that Brad White was handcuffed a oh, little yeah. bit where he, was, he didn't have a free safety. He didn't have a free safety, so they were keeping things kind of simple, and, and that that's why I think Florida was able to pick apart the defense. Maybe more than the injury to the, there was an injury to Franks and they changed right. things up. I think that was a bigger factor than the quarterback change. I think he's absolutely right. Imagine being the backup QB and they turn to you and they say, "All right, Curtis, Felipe is down. You got to go in." Oh, by the way, the other team doesn't have a free safety. Yeah, go have some fun. You know that kind of stuff. The other thing too is Franks, being the athlete he is, uh, might have been just a little more prone to to breaking the pocket and running which at times helped, but at times played into Kentucky's hands mm-hmm. because he'd give up on a play, uh, you know, and Trask hung in there. and uh, you know, But why not? He's feasting on a defensive backfield that just got a heck of a lot younger. Yeah, so let's look ahead to the Mississippi State game. Uh, Joe Moorhead, who the offensive guru, they just com- they're coming off a loss from Kansas State at home that I think many people thought they should have won. Most, of course, all Mississippi fates. Mississippi State fans thought they should have won because if you're a fan of a team, you always think you should win. Um, but you know, but his, home. yeah, his his yeah, that's true as well. His second year, I think the the evolution of their offense is interesting because they go from Dan Mullen, who was there, kind of that power quarterback, yep. that Dak Prescott, Tim Tebow when he was the offensive coordinator, Felipe you, Franks, uh, Felipe Franks, um, uh, Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi mm-hmm. State as well, those kind of quarterback, and now. Um, Mississippi State's transitioning to, into Joe Moorhead's offense, which is, you know, was was what Penn State, you know, obviously ran. UK fans saw a little bit. Uh, that is an interesting dynamic, and it sounds like they're going to be playing two quarterbacks because they have Tommy Siemens, who that's also a Penn State connection. He was the guy that grad transferred from there, and then they're playing a freshman um, because there's been some injuries to both of those guys. And I'm sure you saw it, but the the backup. Uh, quarter well, I don't know if he's considered a backup or not. the The freshman quarterback did the top, the spinning in the air where he got like it looked like <laughs> the he was John Elway move. Well, it looked like he was ten feet off the air in John Elway. He was so <laughs> high up in the air. But um, I'm interested to see how those quarterbacks play and which one plays more for Mississippi State. Yeah, and the backup likes to run a little bit, and that might have been just because you know he's not quite sure on his progressions. But Stevens has been a question mark. Uh, but actually, he's been a question mark the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. because he's so banged up. So my guess is you're right. We'll see both of them. But remember now, last year, Mississippi State, even though I thought Fitzgerald was, was a, uh, a nice quarterback, and he was getting some some summertime Heisman mention, believe it or not, but didn't have that kind of season. And, in fact, Kentucky shut him down. I think he had been shut down prior to that. But if he was still in the Heisman running, uh, he was not when he left Lexington because of the defensive job the Wildcats did. But a guy who had a huge night against him, against that defense, was Josh Allen. And if you recall, there were a couple of times when Mississippi State was called offensively for jumping, you know, for holding. And then Josh got, I think, at least two sacks and more than one hurry 
that night. Well, obviously, he's gone. Benny Snell had a career night against Mississippi State, had the best night against the Bulldogs that anybody had all year, scoring four touchdowns. Mississippi State gave up eight rushing touchdowns all year last year. Benny Snell had four. So both of those guys had huge nights, and obviously they're both gone. So now we see where the Wildcats are. We've seen a little bit of it. But on the other hand, Mississippi State has three starters off that defense in the National Football League, and a fourth went to camp and might have made a roster. I'm not sure. So that's how good that defense was the best in the league last year, and they're learning to play without those guys now. And I don't know that they have the depth of an Alabama or an LSU or whatever. So they're learning about that. They gave up 31 to Kansas State, although seven was on a a kick return for a touchdown. So both teams learning, both teams with quarterback issues. Uh, There is balance in the Mississippi State offense. they got a running back who is a physical, physical running back. He might be the best in the SEC. Might be. I mean, he's up there top. I know Georgia, obviously, with Swift has a a nice claim to that throne as well, but he's a fantastic player. I think that that's probably, from a Kentucky standpoint, who you're the most worried about. But you take confidence from what you did against the run with Florida. Yeah, because what was um, Stoops' said the stat was they averaged against the the starting running back for Florida, it was just 1.9 per carry, which is – Pretty impressive. Forced Florida to become a one-dimensional team. Yeah. Now, sadly, the one dimension was where you were the <laughs> least effective with such a young secondary. Exactly. And, that, and that's, I guess, the final piece of this. Stoops has been talking about a lot. He's got to now take that young young secondary and travel to Mississippi State. Now, counterintuitively, and this is interesting because when we were going to practice last week, they were piping in a bunch of music, and it's like, what are you doing? Well, we're doing that for our defense. Yeah. Now, in, when you're on the road, in theory, the offense, it's going to be a little quieter, but it's still going to be a ridiculous environment. So while maybe in maybe the uh, secondary will be able to communicate a little bit better, possibly, who knows how that'll work out, it's still going to be a new environment, and to get those guys into that, that environment, it's going to be something that is an unknown. You're going to have guys getting on an airplane and going to a road game for the first time in their college career. You're going to get, you're going to have, I would, I'd be willing to bet you've got three or four guys because we do every year on the plane, kids who've never flown, Yeah. you know, but it's all different, you know, staying in the hotel, the meetings, the meals, all that stuff. And, you know, I'm an old hand at it, but these young guys, they get a lot to process. But I think I've told you before that I never considered Starkville a difficult place to play. Not that I was playing, but I'd see it firsthand. And part of this was because Mississippi State for quite a while really was mediocre at football. Jackie Sherrill had him going, but even when he did, it was an open-air stadium. Well, now they've closed in the one end. They've got the field house and the biggest big-screen mm-hmm. scoreboard in the conference at the other end, and the noise stays there. Yep. Mix in the cowbells. It's a tough place. Yeah, that's exactly what Vince Marrow said uh, after practice this week, that it's going to be – he said – I'm I'm telling the guys to be prepared for it to be louder than it was at Florida at home because oh, yeah. that noise bounces back and they get the cow, Cowboys. Right. Man, those coaches hate Cowboys. I think most people. And technically, you know, they, they banned them, quote-unquote. Yeah. They outlawed them. Mm-hmm. They couldn't completely make them go away. So they're like, okay, you can have them, but you can't ring them during games. So supposedly <laughs> they're not supposed to ring them once the quarterback walks up to the center. Okay. Now – Keep track of that, if you will. <laughs> and they actually remind people constantly on the scoreboard. But, of course, they also show the clip from SNL of Will Farrell 
and the, and 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 yeah, walking in the more cowbell. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. They show that more than once, <laughs> and I got to be honest, I love it. But uh, yeah, that's a great bit. So, all right, uh, let everybody know where they can listen to you weeknights. WLAP six thirty a.m. or iHeart Radio, and uh, be sure you check out BBN TV. Check your local listings, uh, Lexington. Probably your best shot is 10 a.m. on the CW, Lexington. Mm-hmm. WKYT at 5.30 a.m. if you want to set your DVR. Yeah, or just get up super early. Yeah. Greet the day. It's game and, day, baby. Go out and trip with the birds, yeah, and, and listen <laughs> listen to, to Dick Gabriel from 6 to 8 p.m. weeknights. I used to be on that show, but now it's gotten better. Long time ago. It's gotten much better. So well, the rating it. spike was fantastic. <laughs> well, I, I we miss lo- you, Curtis. I, I look forward to a listen spike in this podcast since you joined. Thanks so much for your time, man. All right. Thanks to Max Duffy, Michael Smith, and Dick Gabriel for their time on this edition of the show. As I've been telling you guys, would love to get some interaction. Feel free to tweet me personally at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H, or tweet at UK Sports Network. You can also find UK Sports Network on Facebook and Instagram. Lots of great football coverage on all those platforms. There are videos um, and specifically interviews with all the coaches and players throughout the week that you can check out there. A um, bunch of Mark Stoops stuff, Eddie Grand, um, and also I would I would like to mention that you can also watch BBN TV this week. I got a chance to talk to Ahmad Wagner about his unbelievable catch uh, against Florida. Now, obviously, that game didn't go the way Kentucky we wanted it to, but they are moving on to Mississippi State. You heard Michael Smith, you know, talking about moving forward and and what they expect in that game. Dick Gabriel and I talked about that a little bit as well. Um, so, you know, trying to turn the page on a new week and not not let anything linger. And from what I've seen at practice and talking to the guys, it doesn't seem like it is too much. It looks like they're using it, that tough loss, more for motivation than for anything else. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Please uh, subscribe to this podcast. Also, I'll ask for a couple reviews if you got time. Um, specifically on your Apple Podcast, iTunes devices, those re- those really help uh, when people are checking for the podcast. If there's a couple couple good reviews, then more people will listen. Um, we are happy to announce that we are on Spotify now, I believe. So we're getting more on more and more platforms. If you have any other suggestions on platforms, please let us know. We'll do our best to get up on that platform. So any suggestions, any ideas you have for the podcast, as I mentioned, feel free to reach out. Uh, We love your guys' input as we try to build behind Kentucky football into the best podcast we can. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Welcome back. Well, wait.